Please support the Slightly Unfiltered podcast by heading over to our website, slightlyunfiltered.com slash shop, and purchasing some merch from the Slightly Unfiltered shop. We have t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, sarcastic coffee mugs, and all kinds of fun gifts for either a loved one or yourself. Sales from the Slightly Unfiltered shop are what pay me and help keep this podcast going. So support your favorite podcast small business today. Today's guest is Christy Krako. She is the creative badass. She's a life coach, she's an educator, and she's a mixed media artist as well as a single mom to two teens. She does her work through visual journaling and she primarily works with women who are going through divorce and feeling a little lost and trying to figure out who they are. She is truly a badass. I really think you guys are going to enjoy some of the advice and stories that Christy tells in today's episode. Enjoy. Hey friends, you're listening to another episode of Slightly Unfiltered. I'm your host, Desiree Wool. I've got something to say, you've got something to say, so let's get talking. Christy, I'm excited to have you on this week's show. Some of the things (laughs) that you talk about in your Instagram videos are, they're so on point with the women in the slightly unfiltered circle. I think um, sharing you to my, you know, stratosphere of the world, I think, I think they're just going to eat you up. So I'm, I'm excited to have (laughs) you on the show and talk about some of, you know, some of the things that you share and and what you do. So just say hello to everybody and tell everybody who you are. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, My name is Christy Krako, also known as the creative badass. Um, I'm a single mom of two teenagers, which I can't believe. Uh, I live outside of New York City, but I'm a Canadian. Um, and I use a mix-up. I'm a life coach and a mixed media artist, and I take those two things and mush them together to really help women um, who are stuck, who are feeling like they're looking in the mirror and not even recognizing that person. And I really have a specialty of sort of working with women who are somewhere in the process of divorce and helping them use creativity to sort of push them through and heal and figure out who they are, where they want to go, all that good stuff. Yeah, I love I I don't consider myself an overly creative person. I didn't, you know, I never really got into the whole visual journaling thing. But what I love about what you do is you don't you don't necessarily have to be a creative to go through some of the processes that you teach. And I thought that was really interesting for people like me who are, don't consider themselves creative. I'm, I'm not the kind of person who, when they feel frustrated, grabs some paint and does that kind of thing. Right. But I've watched some of your videos and it's actually inspiring to, to not feel the pressure of, oh, if you go paint a tree with a barn and clouds, <laughs> you'll feel better. You actually, you know, help people tap into that and use the creativity level that they're already at to sort of go through the healing process. Yes, everything I do is process work. And most people I work with are exactly like that. They have 
triggers, they have bad memories of creativity of their kindergarten teachers saying, no, this, you can't have a purple sky, it needs to be blue. Like all that baggage we pick up from, you know, teachers, from society, from whoever. So, and then there's this whole thing about, you know, what is art? What is creativity? So I bust all that open. I take the people, you know, my, my clients where they are at. I deconstruct the whole process um, because everybody is creative. It's just, we put up all these layers of baggage around that word creativity. And if we're not accessing that creativity, we're really blocking ourselves off from being who we truly are. Isn't that interesting that you mentioned carrying around the baggage from something, somebody saying, you know, you can't do it that way when it comes to art? Because as soon as you said that, I remembered something that I went through <laughs> in junior high where art class seemed like it was something that I would have fun in doing, but I was looking around at the other people in the class who were amazing at whatever project we were working on, whether, you know, whether we were painting or sculpting or anything like that. And I suddenly felt like, I don't belong in an art class because you have to, you have to already know how to be artistic when you take an art class is, is now what I had ingrained in me. I'm like, look at all these right. people who are doing amazing things. And I'm over here drawing stick figures and rainbows on my canvas. Right. And so, you know, that's probably where I, you know, started to develop that, that almost mantra that I was telling myself, I'm not very creative. I'm not a creative person. Yeah, I, that is so common. And I feel like, first of all, there's so much comparison that goes on with that voice in our heads that says we're not good enough to be here. We're not creative enough. But creativity is really just exploration. And the way that I approach it is just throwing paint on a piece of paper and seeing what happens or taking an image and putting it down and being inspired to write some words about it. Like that's creativity, that's exploration, that's using your hands is so important in the creativity that I teach because it's, we need to get away from these screens and sort of really have these high touch mediums that we're using instead of high tech. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a totally, but there's, yeah, that voice, that comparison, that beginner's mind, like who wants to be a beginner? Um, Especially, you know, as an adult, it's hard to get back into that beginner's mind headspace. But um, I think it's so important to get there and just let your health self have fun. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's so crucial. And I think right now, with the kind of the state of the world, stepping away from the screen time, I, I it's it's fun to see people tapping into some new talents. Yeah. And so I yeah. love that that you're kind of on this mission to encourage that. Yeah. But you go even deeper with the creative process. You actually, and I love that you include a process, by the way. I'm a type <laughs> A personality, which was another struggle that I had with feeling creative. I didn't feel like, I was like, okay, well, what's step one? They're right. like, there is no step one. You make your own step. But you've kind of taken that, that concept of having a process and you've applied it to creating as well as going even deeper into the healing process. How does that work? Yeah, I feel so what I think that we've sort of become so focused on this idea of consuming content to heal, whether that means like we're, you know, we're scrolling through Instagram looking for that quote that's going to make us feel better, or we're listening to a guru, or we're, you know, reading, consuming self-help book after self-help book to heal. But until you sort of take that knowledge and that information and really, truly internalize it, 
and create something out of that, you're not really healing. You're just getting stuck. You're consuming all that content and it's not making you feel, maybe it's making you feel better for that first, you know, half hour, that first day after you finish, like a, you know, for example, like a self-help book or something, you feel like, yeah, I got it. I get it. But it just goes away because then you're consuming all of a sudden you know, your kids are asking you for dinner or something else is happening at work and you forget about that. You don't take that time to really sit and process all that stuff. So the work mm -hmm. that I do is really helping women who is who I mostly work with um, to sort of write, almost write their own self-help manual to work on this healing process because I think we also get so caught up with healing as being this sort of linear journey. You know, we're going to go from point A to point B. We're going to be healed. It's going to be, you know, six months, a year, whatever. But it's these circles that we go in. And sort of every time we go around a circle, we're a little bit stronger. It might be, it looks maybe familiar where we are, yeah. but we're stronger. So every time we go around this sort of circle, we're a little bit stronger. I really feel like healing is like this circular journey that we go on so um tapping in and seeing also the work that i do with these journals is people get to see where they were and where they are because you forget that you think you know you adapt to like this new reality you think oh, i've always been this way but you look back and you're like wow i you know really was a very different person two months ago three months ago a year ago look at all the progress i've made I still have X amount of healing to do where, you know, wherever I am, I'm, you know, wherever I'm stuck, but I've made all this progress. And I think that, that we need to have those reminders. Yeah. You know, that brings up an, a really interesting point because I think we, we not only forget how far that we've come, especially as women, because we allow ourselves to be wrapped up in everybody else's bullshit. Yeah. We, you know, whether it's, you know, stuff going on with the kids or, or our spouse or family or work or all this kind of stuff. Um, we bury ourselves. And yes. you talk about that a lot too, because I think, I think that's how women think they're healing is if, if I just get over it, I can move on. And right. I think that's a dangerous cycle that we get into because we don't ever really heal if we're just burying it and we're burying ourselves. And I think yeah. we have a tendency to just become involved in so much stuff. It's so funny. I was actually watching uh, the new Kevin Hart stand-up special last night. Oh, and yeah. he has a whole bit in there about <laughs> women don't know how to just sit the fuck down. We yeah. constantly have to be doing something and we have mm -hmm. to be figuring out something. And I, sometimes I think that that's almost a, a coping me mechanism mm -hmm. of not dealing with things too, because if you get so busy, if you bury yourself in the busyness of life, you don't have to deal with it and you hope yes. that it moves on and yep. you help, you help women and, and I find you very inspiring. You inspire women to figure out how to sort of uncover all of that to move yes. forward. Yeah. And it's so important to have those moments of stillness in our lives. Cause it's exactly it. I feel as women, we feel we have to be the healers. We are the nurturers. We are the one fixing everybody else's problems, but, or building everybody else's dreams, except our own. And yeah. we get the short, end of the stick all the freaking time so I do I think it's so important to take those moments of stillness and that's really what this is it's like a practice of sitting still with your thoughts 
and some paint and some images and some words in a very deconstructed way. Nobody's checking your journal. I never ask for people to see their journal. You can hide it under your bed or in the back of your closet so your family doesn't see it. Like, I mean, there's no pressure to it. It's just this creative process that you need to go through to heal and to build your dreams and to figure shit out and to know where you want to go. Because if you don't know sort of where you are, you have no idea where you're going to go kind of thing. Oh yeah, that's so true. I, I Then you get in that lost and wandering cycle of, yes. of just going through the motions to get through each day. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's scary. You also mentioned, and I thought this was really interesting. Um, I've kind of been on a, a toxic positivity kick. You know, I've, I've been doing a lot of research about, you know, getting stuck in, you know, mantras and which I, I love mantras. I believe in the right. universe. I believe in all of that stuff, but you can get stuck in this whole, well, I must not be positive enough because I'm still mm-hmm. screwed up. You have something kind of similar that you talk about and that's negative creativity. What do you mean by that phrase? Negative creativity. Um, I feel like the negative creativity is that space you get into when you are trying to make your creativity be bigger than it is, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, when you're, you're, I feel like that negative part comes in when you are doing that creativity for something, for someone else, or you're, you're not making it your own. And I think yeah. that the, the positive part of that comes in when you let go of a lot of that, that stuff is outside. And sort of, I also believe that <laughs> the creativity helps to sort of normalize those shitty moments. And I think that's part of, you know, not just glossing over everything. Like a lot of the work I do with these journals and a lot of the work I do with myself with them, it's just gritty, raw stuff. It's not polished up and pretty and that that's okay I think just sort of normalizing those moments are so important yeah yeah and I think like, you do sort of gloss over them yeah like you're saying nobody's checking your journal nobody's, yeah. nobody's gonna hang your painting you know in a museum so I, yeah. I I think people attach the outcome of their creativity because I'm I, I think I'm like that too I'm too worried about what the end product is going to be yes. to let myself be comfortable in that space of just creating yeah and, and it's really hard like I feel there's such a I feel that there is this really big need in our society to create mm-hmm. but we get caught up in these sort of product driven outcome driven creative pursuits whether that's I mean I think scrapbooking can get pretty competitive yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with the layouts and the pages. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I feel like some of these things can get very competitive. If you've ever gone to one of those painting nights, yes. um, they're packed or they used to be packed when people <laughs> were able to go out and do them, but there can be like a competitive element in those. Like who's the best painter in the group that you're with, or right. you're sort of always checking over everybody's shoulder, but this <laughs> creative work is really it's you and your sketchbook and your, it's just you. Nobody's seeing it unless you want to share it. If you want to post up on Instagram, that's totally up to you, obviously. But um, yeah, I feel people have that real desire and that drive to create, but we get focused on the outcome or the product that we're going to have. 
Yeah. Then, then we just get stuck and end up not creating. And that's exactly yep. what happens to me. <laughs> How can I turn this project into a freaking business is, <laughs> is a phrase that's constantly like I even started, I, I have boxes of wine bottles that I have saved because one day I'm going to do something with them. I'm going to paint them. I'm going to turn them into centerpieces, that kind of stuff. And before I even start on, and I've, and I've honestly only ever painted two of them. That was it because I start going, oh, if I get really good at this, I can right. sell these. Nice. That's funny. And I, yeah. And then I think it rolls into now, now I just turned something that I wanted to be a hobby into right. a job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that gets to be pretty dangerous with people. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You also, um, you talk a lot about something that I talk about as well, and that is allowing yourself to feel the emotion. And this ties into the toxic positivity that I was talking about. Well, just feel better, you know, just think positive thoughts and you'll feel better. And I've personally experienced this, and I know a lot of people in my circle have too, where when people start to say, oh, it's going to get better, you, you know, right. uh, you'll be in a better place, you know, all those kinds of uh, phrases that are common with people, it actually ends up making me feel worse. And then yeah. it's the downward spiral of going into the depression and the, you know, self-loathing or, you know, hatred, anger, all that kind of stuff. But your process actually encourages women to feel their feelings. Yes, 100%. Yeah, because I feel, you know, when you're talking to a friend, you're talking to, you know, your, your mom or your somebody, a sister, and they just say, oh, you know, don't worry about it, it'll get better. That's sort of negating your feelings. That's not allowing you to be angry or to, I mean, I had, have had so much anger in my life, but not allowed to express it. I feel like as women, we're not allowed to like, anger is one of those really dangerous emotions. Mm-hmm on the, when, you know, it's threatening to other people. So I feel when someone just says, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Why are you so angry? That's a hard place to be in as a woman. And I feel when I have these journals, it's me, I can come to the page. I can let go of my anger on the page. My anger is a hundred percent valid. Maybe not my response, you know, my anger might not always be directed towards the right person, but this is why, you know, the journal is such a great process to get involved in because it's your anger is going out on the page, you're expressing your emotion, and then you can make a decision from that. Am I going to address the object of my anger or is it, is it something that, you know, maybe I did overblow it, but I think that when someone just immediately tells you that right away without even listening to your story, that's frustrating. Like, yes, it makes me more pissed off when somebody (laughs) says that because you're just like, you don't, you're not even listening to me. You're just shutting me down. And I feel because then that brings up emotions in the other person and emotions are raw and vulnerable and messy. And a lot of times, even with people we're in relationship with, they don't want it to get raw and messy. It's hard to, when you let all that stuff out, it's like that Pandora's box and you let it all out. It's hard to put it back in, but if you don't let it out, you're not going to get anywhere. And I think eventually the box explodes. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> which is not pretty. Yeah. Which, which actually brings me to the, the next thing that I want to talk about is I want to talk about a little bit about your journey and how you, how you got here, because you've been through a lot that I'm sure is the, the background of 
how you got to where you are and now you're able to teach other women. Um, you know, you've gone through divorce. You uh, are what a couple years sober now, which I think is an amazing journey. Thank you. How did you how did you get through both of those life changing things? Like, um, definitely. I mean, for real, this journal, this sketchbooking process helped to save my life during my divorce. It really came. I mean, I know that sounds so dramatic, and I'm not a dramatic person. <laughs> so when I say that, like, I truly do mean it, but, um, just having a place to go to for, that was truly all just for me. It had nothing to do with my kids, nothing to do with my ex-husband, nothing to do with, uh, well-meaning people in my life, but who often say the wrong thing when you're going through times of change and divorce and stress. If people don't really understand what you're going through, it's really hard for them to help you. Yeah. Um, you know, which is why I use this journal with a lot of women who are going through divorce. Cause I get it. I totally understand what you're going through. Um, but it just became a place for me, a safe space to try stuff out, to try out words, to get rid of my anger, to get rid of my sadness, to also look back and have like a record of how I was feeling like, you know, three years post-divorce part of me can't remember what it was like you know, newly after, because you're so busy on trying to survive that mm. first year. Yeah. Um, and it's only really, I think, feel like in the second and subsequent years that you start to heal and to process that first year is all just about keeping your head above the water. But uh, this journal, this, uh, this process, this creativity just really helped keep me afloat. It gave me sort of something to do um, where I could just sort of, you know, be with myself, I guess, really. And yeah. then sobriety came, um, it was another thing. Yeah, my writing, my artwork uh, just helped me get through day by day. You just start sort of piling those days up. And I feel like that's just a big part of healing is just making it to the next day or that next hour. And I remember the very early in my sobriety was all about, you know, can I make it to the next hour? Okay, I made it to the next hour. And then you just add up all that time. Um, but I would say that just having a place to go with the sketchbook really um, made a difference in my journey, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, you you bring up very good points. And, and we talked about this earlier in the show, how women, you know, they they turn to everybody else to take care of them instead of taking the time that they need for themselves. So I love that you found something that wasn't about the kids. It wasn't yeah. about, you know kind of numbing your schedule as I like to call it with with everybody else you have you have found something right. that allows that is just you it's it's yeah. it's not something you're doing for you know family or the kids or for and you know now you've you've happened to turn this journey into a coaching business and you're helping others with it but you went through the right. whole process yourself yeah. and I think that's super important too because you know we we're told that there's this whole bullshitty myth about, oh, you have to be strong, you know, just get up and just get yes. up and, you know, start yeah. your day. You need to get over it, which yeah. are words that I can't stand. Um, and yes, having this process of healing, whether it's through, you know, a creative 
you know, process like you do with your art and your journaling or that kind of stuff, or, you know, whatever it is that you find to do, maybe you, maybe you take up yoga or meditating, walking the dogs, that kind of thing. I think that's so important in this whole journey of healing and being able to one day get over it and kind of look back and, and go, yeah, that look. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up that this you're so strong thing, because that is one of the heart, the, I remember as I was going through the divorce and then the sobriety piece, like just people saying that, oh, but you're so strong. I'm like, I don't want to be strong. I want to cry on somebody's fucking shoulder. Like I want to stay in bed all day. Like, why do I have to be so strong? Like, it was just this thing. Like, I don't want to be this crazy, strong warrior mother person. Like some days I do, but not every day. And that's the part that just really... Yeah, when people, I think, and I think people do mean it from the goodness of their heart. Most of the time, they're not saying it to you, but it's just one of those things that people say, you're like, oh, don't say that, but it's hard. I don't know. It's a, it's just a, it's a weird thing. I feel like that, yes, we have to be these strong, stoic women going through these things. And that's where I feel like I started to just sort of numb out with alcohol. Like that was mm-hmm. my numbing out agent yeah. um, pre-divorce. And then a little bit, you know, while I was going through the divorce, because um, it was just too much. And I feel like you can get into that really dangerous place of numbing out and not feeling anything. And that's yeah. not a good place to be. Yeah. And I, I've seen too many women get stuck there. Yeah. Well, it's really an easy thing to fall into. Um, you know, I think that there is this big mom, mommy wine culture out there. And I Mm -hmm. feel if you're not careful, it can be, yeah, becomes a normal thing to sit on your couch with a bottle of wine every night, which is, is not normal when you step away from it. Um, yeah, it's it's every night, like I'm talking every night, I'm not talking, you know, like people have their, I'm not being judgy. People have their own things, but if you get to it where you just need that, that can be really scary. So for me, this got me away from numbing out as well, because I could sit with my emotions and there was somewhere for them to go. Yeah. Like I wasn't putting them also, it's hard to put them on your friends all the time or your mom or your, it's just, it's hard to be in that place where you're always sort of dealing with, you know, for, for me, it was the same thing sort of over and over again, but once I sort of got into this habit of, of doing this creative work, it really um, shifted a lot of things inside me. So, Yeah, it's really funny you bring up the whole wine mom culture because a few years ago, I actually had, I put my coaching aside and I thought, well, I want a fun, I want something fun. And so I actually built out a whole business called Moms and Wine. I was a wine rep for a network marketing company And it was a lot of fun. I had tons of people who connected with me and they're like, oh my gosh, I love your brand. This is so great. And probably about four months into it, I kept, I was like, I don't know. It was like this pressure. Now I got to be like this drunk lady, you know, they love my chats with Desiree on wine Wednesdays, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't want to drink this much, you know, it's like, so am I turning myself into a lush for a brand? And it really, that was actually a a huge eye opener for me because I had branded myself as the wine lady. You know, I still have friends and family that 
you know, post memes and they send me funny things about, you know, drinking wine. And I'm like, guys, a bottle of wine now lasts me seven days. You know, it's like, I hate to break it to you, but there is this whole, you know, this whole culture that it's, it's encouraging, which don't, you know, like you said, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to judge if, you know, if you're hanging out with your mom friends or you want to have a couple of glasses of wine or your white claws or whatever, Hey, more power to you. That's totally cool. But like you said, once it becomes your, your source of coping, that's when it becomes the issue. And I think, you know, you have to, you have to find something, something to replace what you're trying to hide from. Definitely. And that's where I think your work is so important. I think what you're doing is just amazing. I think, you know, and I, and I love that. I love that you've taken, you know, the phrase, the creative badass, um, you know, because you, you, from just from what I know from you, from the circles that we run together, you've been through hell and back. You have figured out how to work your way through it in a, in a positive way. And now that you're taking that and you're teaching other women how to do the same thing, I, that's, that's what the whole slightly unfiltered movement is about. Mm. So I just love having women like you in my world. I yeah, really. I think it it became a really conscious choice while I was going through the divorce. Like I'm like, I can go two ways. I can become bitter and pissed off and angry and stay that way. Or I can take it and use this and come out, you know, better and stronger and more focused and, you know, get rid of some of the shit that I've been carrying around for years too. I mean, I'm not the innocent one in the divorce. There's always two sides. And I'm like, you know, I could either hold on to all that shit and get harder and stronger and bitter or let go of that shit. So that was just a real big shifting point for me in the divorce process. And um, I don't know, I feel I made the right choice for myself. I mean, I just feel like letting go of all that anger and bitterness, like what what is the point of that? So definitely this work has helped me get rid of all that stuff. That's most so of it. amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, are you ready? Re- reppy? Are you ready for some rapid fire questions and some fun? Sure. Okay. All right. Let's go. Okay. First question. And for some reason, this is the one that ends up taking the longest. I should have moved this one to the end. <laughs> Who is someone either in your life or a celebrity that you admire? In my life or a celebrity? Could be anyone. Um, dead or alive. <laughs> oh my God. God, I really admire, um, I'm going to say Winston Churchill, which I know is maybe way out in left field, but I grew up reading every bit of Winston Churchill's, I don't know, I just love his story, I love that he, I mean, he's not a perfect human being, I love that part about him, and I love that he made it you know, he didn't give up, I guess. I like that part of him. So that's like the weird, nerdy high school me who I still hang on to that. That's funny. Um, and <laughs> probably way out in love. I'm just I, like the I weirdest answer you've ever had. Winston Churchill, to be honest. Like most people will be like, oh, I love Oprah and Mother Teresa. And here comes Christy with Winston Churchill. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Um, what's one thing that really pisses you off? Um, slow drivers. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite swear word? Ah, uh, fuck. Yes, it's mine too. 
If you could share one piece of advice for all the women listening, what would you say? I would say learn to love yourself first before anything else. Learn, love yourself and trust yourself. And then you can really do anything you want. Yeah, that's good. And complete this sentence. Being slightly unfiltered means to me. Uh, being slightly unfiltered means to me um, just allowing yourself that space to spill open, to be super raw and vulnerable with people because we're all making this shit up as we go along. So why not, why not show people the beautiful mess that you are? Why put all these layers and layers on yourself? Like, I just feel like let it all, most of it spill out. Not, maybe not all of it. <laughs> some of it, you need to keep that to yourself. Yeah, some of it could be too, too much information for sure. Oh my gosh, Christy, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I just, you know, like I, I said it earlier, I just think the work that you're doing is amazing. I think more women need to take the time for themselves to heal and to heal properly. And you have created an amazing safe space for them to do that. And just keep doing your good work, my friend. I absolutely love it. Uh, where do you want people to find you? Where can they connect with you on the interwebs? Um, for sure, Instagram is my favorite. Um, I'm at the.creative.bad.ass <laughs> or my website, uh, thecreativebadass.com. Um, those are probably the two easiest ways to, and feel free to DM me, reach out to me, whatever. Awesome. To get in touch with. I'll have the links below the show notes so everybody can find you. Christy, awesome. thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. Yay. Oh, I just love you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Slightly Unfiltered. You can find me and all things Slightly Unfiltered at slightlyunfiltered.com or on Instagram. Be sure to go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Until next time, you badass bitches. 